Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the criminal trial stemming from the tragic death of Ahmad Arbery, a 25-year-old black man who was pursued by three white men, Travis and Greg McMichael and William Roddy Bryan, and was eventually shot to death by one of those men, Travis McMichael. With verdicts of guilty rendered against the three defendants, we continue our complete coverage of the trial from gavel to gavel. On today's episode, we examine the testimony of Glynn County Police Investigator Stephen Lowry, who led the investigation into the death of Ahmaud Arbery prior to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation taking over the case. Investigator Lowry's primary area of testimony was his interview with defendant William Roddy Bryan, both at the scene of Mr. Arbery's killing and at Glynn County Police Headquarters on February 23, 2020. We will explore that testimony right after the break. Prosecutor Olivier then guides Investigator Lowry to take the jury and the court through how William Bryan began his account of his involvement in the pursuit of Maude Arbery on February 23, 2020. So he's working on his front porch, and did he say that something happened to um, kind of catch his attention? Yes. As he's working on his front porch? Yes. What did he say happened? Uh, Mr. Bryan says, front porch of the house, I looked up, see a black guy running down the road. Okay. And did he also say something about a truck nearby? Yes. Uh, yes. He, he saw a truck paralleling or following Okay. the, uh, the other person he identified. As the black guy running? Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. And after this, what did he do? Um, he said, y'all got him, like a question. Okay. And did he say that to the black guy or to the truck? Uh, to the truck. Did he ever ask the black guy if he was okay? Not that he told me. Did he ever ask the black guy if he needed help? No, ma'am. Okay. So after he hollered, y'all, uh, <clears throat> y'all got him, what did he do? Um, he went to go to his truck to assist and realized he didn't have his keys. So he went back into his house, 
retrieved the keys and got in his truck and kind of joined in. Okay. So at the point where Mr. Bryan gets in his truck, did he go out onto the road? No, he sat there for a second and kind of assessed, waited on Mr. Arbery to come back towards him. Okay. So let's talk about what happened after that. A bit of geographic orientation here. If we think of the roads that form the Satilla Shores neighborhood as an oval, the houses of William Bryan and the McMichaels are on the same side of that oval. As the McMichaels pursued Mr. Arbery, they passed Bryan's house, which sits near where Holmes Road, the street where Mr. Arbery would ultimately be killed, bisects the oval. When Mr. Arbery initially ran past Bryan's home, followed by the McMichaels, he also passed the Holmes Road intersection and continued on the side of the oval, away from the exit streets and deeper into the Satilla Shores neighborhood. Investigator Lowry reads from William Bryan's statement. So I just kind of sat there for a minute and didn't really know what to do. And he was, and then he was trucking. So I mean, he closed in on me quick. And as soon as he got up to me, I overshot the road. I was kind of angled. I overshot the road and forced him to go down into the ditch right there. I say, okay. And then Mr. Bryan says, I don't know if he went through. Okay. Uh, Mr. Bryan says, I don't know if he went through the water or over it or what, but he bounced around me. So I was hanging on pretty good. And I think I backed up into my driveway and came back this way. Okay. And what did you say? I say, okay. And then Mr. Bryan says, and I angled my truck at him again. I think he kind of turned around. I missed him or whatever. Uh, Mr. Bryan says, I think I backed up and kind of went at him a little bit. And I can see that he was coming towards the truck. I mean, I had my window down. He was coming. He was trying to get in the truck at that point. So I slammed it in a drive and jumped out away from him. I mean, and me and the other officer looked, my truck's dirty. You can see where his hands were on the side, almost at the door, where he was, you know, trying to get it open. So. So, Mr. Lowry, does during the course of your interview with Mr. Bryan, does he mention for a second time that his belief that the victim tried to get into his truck? I say, okay, all right. And you said that you had you had handprints on your truck from where the guy was trying to get into it. Mr. Bryan says, I feel pretty sure that's what he was doing. I mean, I can't say for sure that he he wasn't on the door. I didn't give him a chance to get to the door, but after I angled him off the side of the road, you know, and I kind of went on past him because I didn't hit him, wish I would have, might have took him out and not get him shot. But, you know, I probably got past him a little bit and he come up on me and I could see him in my mirror and he was coming for the door and I seen his hands on right behind the door. Okay. So in this one, Mr. Bryan's talking about wishing he had hit the victim, right? Yes. Okay. As we have said in a previous episode, while the intent of the individual officers may well have been to give the three defendants the benefit of every doubt in the killing of Mr. Arbery, the effect appears to have been to create an environment where each of them became comfortable acknowledging or admitting to a number of actions by them, which would ultimately become critical pieces of evidence in the state's case. This is nowhere more evident than William Bryan stating that he wished he would have hit Mr. Arbery. Even though Brian is clearly saying this as an indication of regret that Mr. Arbery was shot and killed, it nevertheless becomes critical evidence of Brian's intent to assault Mr. Arbery with his truck. Prosecutor Olivier then guides investigator Lowry to read William Brian's account of the next portion of his pursuit. These actions by Mr. Bryan had the effect of making Mr. Arbery turn onto Holmes Road and towards the McMichaels truck, which had looped around the oval and was cutting back across Holmes. 
Mr. Bryan says, yes, I mean, before then, I angled at him again. I say, okay. Mr. Bryan says, and he jumped out of the way, and I went on past. And I say, and then you passed the intersection of the road that it actually took place on. And Mr. Bryan says, right. I say, did you back up or just U-turn because you said you? And then Mr. Bryan said, I was fixing. I put it in reverse and was going to back up at him. I say, mm-hmm. Mr. Bryan says, that's when he made his move to go down the road it happened on. And I say, okay, so you backed up and then turned down that road? And Mr. Bryan says, yep. Okay. Mr. Lowry, did something also happen from Mr. Bryan's statement on Holmes Road? Yes. Let's talk about that. Okay. Uh, Mr. Bryan says, all right, so I backed up and started going down that way. I think I angled at him again, kind of forced him off the road or something right in here. And he turned around. He turned around right here, the black guy did. He turned around maybe down this far or so. But he turned around and started running back the other way. And I pulled into a drive or something and started to turn around. I say, okay. At this point in Brian's narrative, the McMichaels truck has passed Brian's truck and Mr. Arbery on Holmes Road. Travis McMichael would later testify that at the end of Holmes Road, he got out of his truck and stood holding his rifle. As Mr. Arbery ran towards him, McMichael lifted the rifle, pointing it at the running man. After Mr. Brian turned his truck around, he used his phone to record video of what he saw through his windshield and captured the moment that Travis McMichael began to shoot Ahmaud Arbery. Was there something else that happened on Holmes Road after what we just discussed? Um, yes, that was the shooting and the, the murder itself took place right after. Okay. Um, and is there another portion of Mr. Brian's interview where he talks about something leading up to that? Mr. Bryan says, at this point, I didn't really know, but I got turned around good. And by that time is when I rounded that corner enough to see the black guy was right there, but really wasn't running anymore. Looked like at this point, like I say, he just had enough of the running and he was confronted. This statement by William Bryan is evidence that the prosecution will argue shows that after four minutes of running, Mr. Arbery considered himself trapped and out of necessity chose to fight. They will also argue that it is evidence that Mr. Bryan was aware of his role in trapping Mr. Arbery. At some point during your interview, did you ask <coughs> Mr. Bryan whether he had ever seen Mr. Arbery before? Yes. Okay. And what did he tell you? No. Okay. He says, I have not seen him. I say, okay, do you know of him being involved in any past instances? Mr. Bryan says, that I know of, no. I say, okay. And he says, I mean, I just hear stuff that's been happening around the neighborhood. Nobody said anything. The prosecution will later use this statement by William Bryan as evidence that he had absolutely no basis to try to help execute a citizen's arrest on Mr. Arbery. Prosecutor Olivier next shows investigator Lowry photos of key physical evidence of the encounter between Ahmaud Arbery and William Bryan's truck. During the course of your interview, um, did Mr. Bryan tell you that there might be some some sort of evidence on his truck? Uh, yes. Okay, what did he tell you about that? That he believed there were palm prints or fingerprints and dents on his truck. Okay, and what did you do with that information? Um, after the interview, I went outside and processed his truck, photographed and collected fingerprints and fibers. Uh, that's kind of a faraway shot of a dent that was on the driver's side of Mr. Bryan's truck on the uh, the bed part of it over the tailgate. 
or over the, uh, the gas cap. What part of the truck are we looking at here? This is the driver's side of the truck on the back by the bed. Okay. And what did you find on, on that side of the truck? Uh, there were several smudges with like fingerprints, uh, a dent, and some fibers. Okay. In this, you can see one of the dents. So did you note anything um, about the fibers as compared to the dent that you saw? Uh, that it was directly above it. It looked like they could have happened at the same time. Okay. In her next questions to investigator Lowry, Prosecutor Olivier elicits evidence that the state believes shows that Ahmad Arbery had no intention of stealing anything at the under construction property. Do you recall a house under construction being a part of this investigation? Yes, it was, okay. it was much later that evening that I went there though, but yes. But you went there? Yes. Okay. Did you see any like expensive tools there in that home, in that uh, construction site? I think I remember seeing saws or drills or something like that. Okay. So you saw multiple tools there? Uh, I, I don't know about multiple. I don't remember how many I saw, but I, I do remember seeing tools there. Okay. And how did the structure appear to you? Uh, on the inside, it was mostly just framing. There weren't, I don't think walls were erected in all the building yet. It was missing, uh, missing doors and windows. Okay. Did it appear that it was rummaged through in any way? No. Okay. How did it appear? Like a house under construction. On March 5th, what was the status of, of your case as the lead detective at that time? Was it a closed case? Was it an open case? What was the status? Uh, it, it was still open, but not gaining much traction. Okay. So it was sort of inactive. Yes. Objection. Not what he's what he said. What it is. Okay. When you say not getting much traction, what do you mean? I think inactive was a fair summary. Okay. And finally, Prosecutor Olivier returns to questions related to whether there was any basis for Mr. Bryan to participate in an attempted citizen's arrest of Ahmad Arbery. Did the word citizen's arrest come up in Roddy Bryan's interview? No. So at some point, did you become aware, I think you mentioned that the GBI took over the investigation? Yes. Okay. And did you turn your file over to them after that? I don't know if it was me specifically that handed it over, but it, it was relinquished. Everything that we had was provided to them. Okay. So, um, Mr. Larry, what, if anything, did Mr. Bryan say about seeing Ahmad commit a crime before he jumped in his truck? He didn't. He didn't say anything about that? No. What, if anything, did Mr. Bryan say about arresting or telling Ahmad he was under arrest for criminal trespass? He didn't. What, if anything, did Mr. Bryan say about telling Ahmad he was under arrest for loitering? He didn't. What, if anything, did Mr. Bryan say about telling Ahmad he was under arrest for burglary? He didn't. What, if anything, did Mr. Bryan say about telling Ahmad he was under arrest for attempted burglary? He didn't. What, if anything, did Mr. Bryan say about telling Ahmad he was under arrest for carjacking? He didn't. Okay. What, if anything, did Mr. Bryan say about telling Ahmad he was under arrest for aggravated assault? He didn't. Okay. Did Mr. Bryan ever tell Ahmad during that chase that he was under arrest for anything? No, not that I was made aware of. 
One more question. What, if anything, did Mr. Bryan say about seeing Ahmad throw anything from his person during the entirety of that chase on that day? He didn't. He didn't say anything about that? No. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Prosecutor Olivier then passes the witness over to William Bryan's defense attorney, Kevin Goff. Goff begins by asking investigator Lowry about William Bryan's demeanor during their conversation on February 23rd, 2020. If you understood Roddy Bryan to have meant that he deliberately attacked Mr. Arbery with his truck, if you understood him to say that he made an aggravated assault with a motor vehicle, upon Mr. Arbery, could you have ignored that? Uh, no, that wasn't the way I interpreted it at the time, though. Well, obviously, that would be a very serious, serious violent felony. That wasn't your understanding? No, sir. Roddy Bryan never denied following Mr. Arbery, did he? No, sir. Roddy Bryan never denied angling his vehicle ahead of Mr. Arbery? No, sir. Roddy Bryan never denied blocking the path of Mr. Arbery. No, sir. Roddy Bryan never denied cutting in ahead of Mr. Arbery or cutting him off. That's correct, too. He never denied trying to steer Mr. Arbery off the road. Yes, sir. Is it fair to say that Mr. Bryan had trouble relating the events of that day in detail or in sequence? I think everybody probably had trouble. There was a lot going on. Do you have any personal relationship with Roddy Brown? No. Is there any reason why you would give special treatment to Roddy Brown? No. Okay. And your decisions in this case, personally, about how you went about your investigation, did they have anything whatsoever to do with whether Mr. Amar Arbery was black or white? No, sir. Is it fair to say that you personally in your department wanted Roddy Bryan's help to get to the truth about what happened to Ahmaud Arbery? Yeah, I hope for you know compliance and cooperation from everybody I deal with. At this point in time, you were not quote unquote after Mr. Bryan. No, sir. At this point, he's just a witness in your case. Yes, sir. And you're trying to reassure him that he's not the target of your investigation? Uh, I don't really know that I can agree with that. Fair enough. Is it fair to say that you were somewhat concerned about whether Mr. Bryan would quote unquote freak out when you went through the consent form? Oh, yes, sir. Okay. Because you wanted his help? Yes. The phrase false imprisonment never came up in this interview? No. Because that wasn't your focus? No. And that wasn't what you heard? No. You didn't ask Roddy Bryan how far he got in school? No. You didn't ask Roddy Bryan if he had, for example, any learning disabilities? No. 
Did he appear to struggle at times to find the words he wanted? Uh, yes. With this line of questioning, defense attorney Goff is implying something that we mentioned earlier. Whatever the reason that the Glynn County Police had for treating the McMichaels and Brian with such deference, it had the effect of making them feel comfortable enough to voluntarily relinquish their right to remain silent. Goff then moves on to questions regarding specific parts of William Bryan's statement to investigator Lowry. Sir, I believe when you interviewed Mr. Bryan, he discussed his becoming involved in this matter more than once. Uh, yes. And the first time, if I recall your testimony correctly from earlier today, he used the word overshot the road. Uh, I think so. Okay. The second time that you reviewed this with him, he described what he did as that he, quote, just crept out of the driveway good, unquote. Yes. Okay. Do you recall asking him whether he backed out of the ditch? Yes. Okay. And what was his answer? No, I think I backed back into my drive. Did that really answer your question? Uh, no. Mr. Bryant told you that he was going to back up at Mr. Arbery. Am I correct? Yes. But to do that, he'd be following Mr. Arbery in reverse? No, I don't, I don't think that's what he says. He says, I was fixing, I put it in reverse, and was going to back up at him. All right. Did you ever ask Mr. Bryan what he meant when he said angle? I, I, don't, I don't think so. It wasn't germane to the investigation at that point? No. Okay. And I believe earlier today you described it as steer? Yes, I think. Okay. And at no point did Mr. Bryan identify to you a mathematical angle, did he? No. Did Mr. Bryan ever relate to you tearing up any of his neighbor's yards? I don't think so. Okay. Did you ever ask Mr. Bryan, and I think I know the answer, but I have to ask, did you ever ask Mr. Bryan at what speed he was traveling when any of these angling maneuvers took place? No. Did you observe anything out there that day that would have suggested aggressive driving? Not that I can recall. Did Mr. Ryan express to you that he didn't know what to do? He did. When he saw Mr. Arbery coming back? Yes. Did he, did he express any eagerness to confront Mr. Arbery at that time? No. Did he suggest in any way that this was something he relished or looked forward to? No. Do you remember the state asking you, suggesting that Mr. Bryan wished that he had hit Mr. Arbery? Yes. That's not accurately reflecting the nature of that statement, is it? I, I don't know. When Mr. Bryan said that he did hit him, was there anything about his demeanor or body language suggesting that he intended to? Uh, no, I, I don't remember which time he might have said that, but I didn't see... I don't know what body language would look like indicative of him actually doing that. He didn't seem any more distressed than somebody would be in you know, this kind of stressful situation. Would you describe his demeanor as remorseful? I, I don't know that I was around him long enough to see remorse. It looked more just kind of shocked. Shocked. Okay. Certainly not gleeful. No. 
Kevin Goff next tries to counter Prosecutor Olivier's list of things that William Bryant did not claim in his interview by offering a list of questions that Investigator Lowry did not ask Bryant. You didn't ask Roddy Bryant whether he was armed or unarmed at the time of the shooting in your interview. Am I correct? Yes. From the circumstances, it seemed clear to you that he was unarmed. Yes. You didn't ask Roddy Bryant about Matt Albenzi. No. You didn't ask Roddy Bryant whether he called 911, did you? Um, I don't I don't remember if I did. You didn't you didn't perceive it to be pertinent to your investigation at that time. No. Okay. Goff then finishes his cross by asking investigator Lowry about the physical evidence on William Bryan's truck of his encounter with Mr. Arbery. There are no fingerprints on the on either of the front corners of the truck. None that none that I was aware of, none that I processed. No cotton fibers on either corner of the front of the truck. None that I was aware of, none that I processed. No fingerprints or cotton fibers on either of the back corners of the truck. No. The prints that you recovered, or suspected prints, uh, and the cotton fibers are all on the driver's side of the vehicle behind or at the, uh, the door on the driver's side. Yes. Okay. Travis McMichael's attorney, Jason Sheffield, then rises to question investigator Lowry. There was this one thing that you noted where he yells out, y'all got him. Remember that? Yes. Okay. There's nothing that Mr. Bryant told you that led you to believe that Travis or Greg even heard him say this. That's correct or that there was any kind of communication with him about this, right? Yes. So if I put down here no communication, you would agree with that? Yes. Okay. The, the time where Brian says he changed direction and changed his angle, you recall that? I know he said that a couple Several of times. Several times, yes, sir. Again, no communication with Travis or Greg about this thing. Correct. Talking about, for a second time, he steers or does some movement when Mr. Arbery goes and steps off the road. Again, no communication with Travis or Greg about that. Correct. Now, when he says that Mr. Arbery was trying to get into the truck and he pulled away from him, again, no communication with Travis or Greg about that. Correct. Communication, I mean, no phone calls, no hand signals, nothing. No, sir. Sheffield completes his questioning of investigator Lowry by asking about the physical evidence on William Bryan's truck. I think what you said about these fibers, though, is that they were located kind of above a dent. Yes. Okay. You were asked whether or not it appeared that those things could have happened at the same time, meaning the dent and the fibers. Yes. You have zero evidence to suggest to you when that dent happened, right? Uh. I believe Mr. Bryan said it wasn't there prior to this incident. Okay. Yes, sir. But you don't know when the dent was made. No, sir. Or when the fibers were made. No, sir. So you, it's hard for you to conclude that the dent and the fibers happened at the same time. Yes. Okay. And he was coming for the door. Is that what he says? Yes, that's that's what he says. He's coming up on me. Yes. He was coming for the door, and I seen his hands on right behind the door, right? Yes. So this informs you that these prints that we just looked at could be highly relevant to his claim that Mr. Arby was trying to get into his truck. Yes. That concludes this episode of Jury Duty, The Killing of Ahmaud Arbery. 
Join us on our next episode as we continue our examination of the state of Georgia's case against Travis and Greg McMichael and William Roddy Bryan. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You can find more information about this trial at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. Our consulting producer is Paul Butler. It was co-produced and edited by Chris Taracon. Music was provided by Strike Audio. Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Killing of Ahmaud Arbery.